everybody to another episode of this Joe Batanz. My name is Joe Batanz. The date's going to be Monday, November 11th, but uh, you know and I know that I'm releasing this and recording this on Tuesday, November 12th, but there'll be another episode today. We're talking about the weekend. We're talking about everything that happened. We're talking about... Everything that happened even Monday, November 11th, right here on This Joe Batanz. I know. You know what's so funny is, it, for those of you that weren't live, I don't think it made into the show. Uh, we were recording, when I was recording with Taylor the Latte Boy, season five, episode five, um, I, uh, I think the pre-show, I was. It came out that this Joe Batanz was only for the exclusive people, and I think he got really like hurt. Like the look on his face was like, "Oh, all right, well." And I'd, maybe he. I think he. Well, did you see? He was concerned about whether Mike lost. Oh, you guys weren't there. So I said, you know, the only people that get to listen to this Joe Batanz are people in the exclusive tier and myself. No one else gets to listen to this show. My and he goes, "Well, what about Mike Lawson? Michael Mike Lawson does not get this Joe Batanz." I said, in fact, what I made to me very clear, I said, the only person who has, who does not pay $20 a month to hear this Joe Batanz is Joe Batanz. Nobody else. Unless you're, I go, unless you want to pay $20 a month. Um, yeah, that's the only people who get it. And, I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm being very honest. I'm going to stick to that plan that, uh, that's the only people who get, um, exclusive tier is I mean this Joe Batanz exclusive tier. Anyway, let's talk about the weekend. Saturday, what did I? Do? I know what I did Sunday, but what did I do Saturday? I feel like I did nothing on Saturday. Not much. What did I do? Let me see. This is why I have to do it every day. I feel like not much happened though. I didn't go out that night. I was maybe going to go to dinner at Mercedes. Okay. I was texting with Mercedes the whole day. I hadn't seen them in a while, Mercedes and Chris. So I texted them and said, like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. <clears throat> Let's get together. And she was like, oh, well, uh, we're going to dinner tonight and then maybe a movie. And then, or Tuesday or Wednesday look good. And I said, um, uh, you know, I don't want to intrude on you. You and Chris rarely get uh, a night out uh, alone. I don't want to intrude on your date night. And she was like, ha, 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 ha. No, it's with the kids. It's going to be not fun and horrible. And I was like, oh, but <laughs> it sounds not fun and horrible. So I, I didn't go. Uh, so I'm going to see them Wednesday. So I'll see. I'll be driving to Malibu on Wednesday. Um, but I feel like something else, I feel like I'm missing something on Saturday. We'll have to come back to that. Sunday, um, oh, Saturday morning, I, whoa, 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 I can, I can, I can retrace this. Okay, okay, I got some more. 
Saturday morning, I started teaching this new girl. Here's the thing, you know, again, the pro- the good news and bad news with this Joe Batanz is you're going to get the most mundane aspects of Joe Batanz's life. Um, things that even would never make the show because they're so boring, right? But, you know, that's this Joe Batanz. So I started tutoring. As you know, like, I have this... My brother doesn't think so, as you'll see when yesterday's fight will, uh, you know... Uh, come out this but the tutoring stuff now is my side gig it's my side hustle and um i uh i tutor here and there so i've started tutoring this girl and um she uh i I know whenever you tutor but believe it or not all these details will be important for a later story but I have to do, like, the prospect call me. The mom calls me. She asks a million questions. And it's a back and forth. I don't know if any of you are in any kind of sales position. It's not like, hi. I, it's not like scheduling a hair appointment. There's, like, it's basically a long interview until they sign up. <clears throat> but it should be. Because they're paying you a lot of money to do this. And... um What's funny is, so it'd been a months and months, but, you know, this girl goes to a high school in Fullerton. It's an all-girls Catholic high school called Rosary. And it's just something I've learned in the in the year or so that I've been teaching girls from Rosary, is that Rosary just is not good at teaching these girls math. They have really weak math and science skills. And for that reason, it, it, this is unusual, because I will say, 99% of the time, I tell parents who call that it doesn't really matter if they start with the ACT or the SAT. Both exams, they've got it nailed down where, like, they are pretty much equal. Every kid, like, literally, I'm not even joking. Eight, and this, I'm telling you, I know you're going to lie to you guys. 80% of the kids who take these tests, they, they get the exact same score on both tests. Okay? You have a small percentage either side, like 10% on one side and 10% on the other, that um, do better on one. Well, what's weird about Rosary, across the board, and it's because Rosary makes weird choices, every Rosary girl should never take the SAT. Okay? ACT, I'm sorry. Should never take the ACT. Ever, 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 ever. Those girls should only take the SAT. I'm not going to get into the specifics of differences between the tests, because that would even bore me. But ultimately, what it is, is you need to know less math for the SAT. And... Ultimately, it's just an easier test. So it, it the SAT rewards write, reading skills, writing skills, um, and those even those reading and writing skills become are important in the math. Where on the ACT, you have you have more math and science skills, and um, and the reading it doesn't necessarily reward you as much. That's the simple answer. <clears throat> But like I said, use, there are give and takes with both tests so that I'm telling you over 80% of the time, it, it's six in one, half dozen in the other. Okay? Honestly. Anyway, but I do know this about Rosary Girls. Across the board, they should never take the ACT. And this mom called. And she says to me, my daughter wants to take the ACT. She goes to Rosary. And I say, listen. I give her the whole spiel. I even tell her why. And, you know, at a certain point, it's their daughter, and it's their money, and their test. And I kept insisting, and they talked about it with the daughter. And me, I mean, there whole, it's, it's, it's six weeks of negotiations. They're going to do the ACT. 
And I'm like, okay, fine. And so I t- showed up on Saturday to tutor her. This actually bore out more on Sunday, but I'll just squeeze it in here because I want to revisit on Sunday that I saw her again. I'm seeing her on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. This girl is so horrible at the science and the math, right? When I got there, I asked for her ACT scores. And the mom was like, oh, we can't find them. And so finally, I insisted I get them. So, like, there's a company that she take an ACT with, a practice one. And um, I got the scores yesterday. She's horrible. She's horrible at math and science. Like, literally, her science score is well below average. Well, I mean, like, so low that there's no... I don't know why she's insisting on taking the ACT. The ACT is good for... Kids who are just so fast um, that the, that it it I'm not going to I'm starting to explain it. The ACT isn't tricky. The SAT is tricky. So if you're that good in math and science, well then do the ACT because you're not it's not you're not going to fall for dumb careless mistakes and tricks and traps. Okay. So, um, but she's not good at it. She's not good at it. it it's it's so dumb. So I might have that difficult talk with the mom today, but. I mean, I'm just. It, what it is, it's one of these things, almost like a doctor. Is I have to cover my ass and keep telling them you shouldn't be doing this test because here's what I've been doing this for way too long. You tell them and you tell them and you tell them and you tell them, and then what happens is then they take the ACT and their score is low, and they're like, "Oh, what the fuck? Why is my ACT score so low?" I'm like, "Because you shouldn't be taking the ACT." And then they go and tell their friends. And this is the part that my brother still has not gotten this part because it's an opposite story, believe it or not. They go and tell their friends, oh, I tutored with Joe, and um, he didn't raise my score that much on the ACT. They forget the part where Joe kept saying, don't do the ACT. You can't, you're not good at the ACT. No rosary girl should ever take the ACT. I want to hire a plane that flies over a rosary event and says, rosary girls should never take the ACT. Ever. Okay. That said, now... At the same time, and this is what's weird, because this, this family lives in a bizarre city that I never go to. It's close by, but it's just hard to get to. A woman from the same city calls me. Her daughter goes to the same school, uh, Rosary. Her daughter wants training for the ACT. Now, I just said, this is funny, I just said no Rosary girl should ever take the ACT, Right? This girl can take whatever test she wants, but I'm still not going to tutor her. Well, I, I have to now, eventually. Her score is so high already, and she's only a junior, okay? She's, you know, well, I'll use SAT because most people know the SAT scale. The highest score is 1,600. She's already scoring 13, no, no, 1,410, okay? Now, by the way, Ivy League schools, anything above 700 in each subject they just can there's no real difference to an admissions counselor between a 1400 and a 1600 now there's bragging rights among friends right but to admissions counselor there's no difference because statistically speaking there's very little difference between those scores to us it sounds big like that's 200 points but it really isn't it's very very it's like a few questions okay this mother wants to throw buckets of money at me to tutor her daughter and I've been politely declining her. Now I'm getting to a point where I'm going to do it on like a case-by-case basis, like an all-the-cart basis. And I may push her to go online 
Because, again, you have to think three steps ahead. And I've been doing this for too long. What happens with those people is when you're scoring that high, the only way you can go, well, you can go up, but we'll get to that in a second. We'll do that now. If you go up, you're only going to go up very little, you know, like 30 points or something like that, 40 points, okay? But there is a huge, huge opportunity to drop, okay? Just because that's just the nature of the test. And I will say that there's really not much I can do for this person. So even if the kid's score went up 100 points, that's not because of me. But if the score drops because of 100 points, that's not because of me. At that level, it's the kid 100%. And there's nothing I can teach this kid. The most I can do is just coach the kid. And so invariably what happens is for the reason I just told you is if you take that gig, even though it's money and even it ultimately hurts your business because what happens is, again, she's only going to go up 30 points and then the parents are going to be like, well, we paid, you know, $4,000 for her to only go up 30 points, you know, or her score drops. Like we paid $4,000 and her score dropped and it's, and then they tell all their friends and then this negative, uh, it, it just it's just not worth it. If the girl does nothing, her score will go up. Nothing. If she does zero test prep, there's nothing for this girl to do. But at a certain point, if you don't take the gig, somebody else will. So what I have to do is just very take it carefully. Anyway, Saturday morning, I tutored this girl. Afterwards, I needed gas. I was on fumes. Okay. So uh, I it, the reason I was on fumes, I could have gotten gas in the way, but I knew that this person lived right by my cousin Natalie's house, okay? And my cousin Natalie lives by, like, literally, I don't even know why this place exists, the cheapest gas station I've ever seen in my entire life, okay? A lot of people brag about how cheap Costco gas is. This guy, this has Costco gas beat by a mile, okay? So cheap. So I was like, oh, I know that's there, so I'll go fill up there. So I go, and I go to that gas station, and I fill up at that gas station, Okay. Well, when I try to leave, the traffic is so bad. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to do a detour, and I go down Natalie Street. I go down Natalie Street. This is so weird. I'm actually talking to a friend of the show, Alex Lefebvre, on the phone. Natalie and her parents are standing outside her yard. They're having a yard sale. So I, I tell Alex, let me call you back. And I pull over, and I stop and say hi to them for a bit. and um, And then... You know, only like five minutes, talk to them, chat, and then say goodbye and be on my, I'm on my way. Have a nice chat with Alex Lefebvre about all things Broadway. What? Oh, which is another interesting story. So, I've had this dream. I like how I said, I don't know what happened Saturday now. I'm going on and on about Saturday. I've had this dream of doing a musical via podcast a la like an old-time radio drama, but it's a musical, right? But I've been... The 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 obstacle has been that you have to have somebody write the music, you have to do the lyrics, and then there's the book on top of that. The book is in... For those of you who aren't theater people, that's the... Anytime that they do the play part in between the songs, like the spoken part... In musical theater world, is called the book. Okay, so um, you have to write the play part, the script. You have to do the music, the lyrics, 
I'm like, ugh. So I'm talking to Alex Lefebvre, and he's telling me how that night he is going to go see a small off-off Broadway play or musical as a musical review. And he's telling me, like, you know, you should people should go see these these musical, these small little shows. You know, it's only costing eleven dollars. It supports theater, and it's, it sometimes it's a real hoot. You know, and if it's not, you just you're just only out eleven dollars. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me in high school. I was I said, um, uh, my friends and I, like John Paul, we became obsessed with this musical called Babes. And the story behind Babes was that um, when I was a freshman in high school, we had this musical director, and uh, he had AIDS, and he but he had written this musical called Babes, okay. And I'll tell you about it in a second. And we all went to go see it as a as a for like a field trip, the theater field trip. We went to go see his name was Brian Shucker. And we went to go see this um, musical on the field trip, and we were like, "Oh my god, it was so good!" You know, and it was like it was in a little theater, okay. And um, we went to go see the musical at this little theater, okay, and um, called the Cast Theater, right by Paramount Studios, Paramount Pictures. So. We became kind of low-key obsessed with this musical. And in fact, it's it's all about my gay awakening. It's a whole thing, right? <clears throat> so I um we we so they then they re they they put the musical up. Well, Brian died opening night of the musical. Like literally opening night, he died. And the story you can put in his name, Brian Shucker. It's all over the LA Times. It's in it's in major news sources. And his partner died a few months later. His partner's name was Bill Sawyer. Okay. And um, so that's already a dramatic story, and their story is dramatic, and I knew him. And also, I would say watching that first musical was um an important moment in my gay awakening because I fell in love with the lead. In fact, when I was a, one of the important lessons I learned when I was about to turn 30, I'm 29 turning 30 and I want to be like an essayist like David Sedaris. And so I was working on an essay where I revisit my gay awakening and I tracked down Andy Steinlin is the name of the actor, but he changed his name to like, like a weird porny name, even though he wasn't a porn star. Name like, you know, Shane Gray or something like that. Um, and uh, I track him down and we have this conversation when I'm about to turn 30 and he's about to turn 40. Okay. And I and I tell him, I've probably told this on many shows before. I've mentioned this before. I say to him, I go, look, I'm, I'm turning 30 and I'm really scared. You know, like, what, tell me about this. And he says, oh my God, the 30s are amazing. He goes, I'm about to turn 40. He goes, but the 30s are amazing. They're like my favorite decade. He goes, don't. He goes, don't. The he starts telling me about how, the, how amazing the 30s are. So I go into my 30s with that in mind. And he was right. The 30s were amazing. I loved my 30s. The 30s are the best decade. Um, the 40s are pretty good, too. I'm not going to lie. Like, am I stoked being here at my parents' house? No. But, you know, ever since the Great Depression of 2018... I've learned to look at life in a different way. And it's just the fact that I'm doing what I love 
and making money at it. And I do realize a lot of people do not have that luxury. I'm very blessed, you know, booked and blessed, as Jay Ellis said today on Survivor. And anyway, so, but that's how I get, because of Babes is how I encountered Andy Steinlin. Okay. So that's my whole history with Babes, everything, right? So when Alex Lefebvre says, you know, uh, you should you should see this, uh, you should go see this small musical, I talk about Babes, I go, I go, ding! And I go, we should do Babes for the podcast musical. Because no one's doing Babes. They had their initial run. It Actually, what's funny is the music, Brian's music, after he died, obviously, won... The Los Angeles Drama Theater, I don't know what it's called, Theater Critics Circle Award for Best Musical Score. So the music's good, okay? But no one's done it. Like, I've done Google searches and stuff like that, and no one has done anything on Babes, okay? And... um it's just died. It's just a show that doesn't exist. So I want to get the rights. I'm working on getting the rights, contacting people, getting the rights. So and I want to turn that into... Oh, so Babes is about... It's basically, if you know anything about musical theater, I can give you a, you know, a, a really easy approach. It's almost like a shitty ripoff. It's a basically like a chorus line, but in the 40s. Okay? And it's a, it's a very, very... loose, but also not too subtle uh, take on the Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland movies, okay? But what was happening behind the scenes in those movies, okay? And, uh, but the music's actually pretty good. And uh, not bad. It's, it's corny, you know, but that's fine. And so, uh, hey, Joe. Oh, hi, everybody. Anyway, look at the chat room. So, I was saying that, you know, uh, we should do babes. So I came home and I reached out to whoever, I, whomever I could. I went to the first level and I'm waiting to hear back. If I don't hear anything, then I'm going to the next level and getting these rights. Okay, but I will get these motherfucking rights and we will do babes on Afterthought Media. And cause I think the first episode will literally be um, the, the story of Brian Shucker. And his partner, and writing this musical, and everyone involved, and all that—that'll be episode one. And then episodes two through however many episodes we make, that's the actual musical, okay? And we'll do it like a radio drama where there's like a little hook at the end that keeps you going to the next scene, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so that's going to be Babes the musical. That's that's what I'm. One of my big things that I'm working on right now. So that was my Saturday, but I don't know. I think Latin Saturday happened, happened Saturday night was. I feel like I did do something, but I couldn't tell you what it is. I don't know. I don't know. The once I get home in the afternoon, it's a, it's a big blur. So Sunday again, I have to work in the morning. Um, I came home. And then, oh, I had to make the cornbread for, oh, we were going to maybe do, I will say this, we were going to maybe possibly sort of kind of do um, throwing down on Saturday, but didn't end up happening. I didn't make the cornbread. So on Sunday, when I came home from work, I made the cornbread 
And then, as you all know, you heard on the show, the cornbread finished like right when we started recording uh, Throwing Down. So then I record Throwing Down in the afternoon. And then I edit it and post it. And then almost immediately afterwards, I drove to uh, L.A. to meet up. Well, no, no. First, I met up with my friend. So my friend, it's weird. So I have this friend named Buck, okay? Buck Mason. And um, here's the weird thing. I've known him since high school, okay? And... He was like, again, speaking of gay awakenings, he was my real life gay awakening. Um, he was, and, and, and lo and behold, when I was in high school, I was in the high school kids. So he was like, I would say, mm, technically my second. He was like my second crush. But he was my first really serious crush. Where like, you know, in the whole like catching up song, like, he he meets these twinks and they run away, you know, like or, or something that you know the the thing the line, uh, and they break his heart and run away. He was he's the er twink that broke my heart and run away. Okay, he was never gay. He's straight, right? But I just thought he was so cute, right? When I was in high school, I had the biggest crush on him, and we, it was a typical. God, so many gay guys have this story, where like. I was his best friend, and he was my best friend, but then secretly I was, like, hoping he loved me, and I was trying to build this relationship that didn't exist with him because he was straight, and in fact, dating Mercedes at the time, and it was just devastating to me, and, you know, what my heart was broken, I just remember, like, oh, so many, pain. oh, my God, all the pain and the, 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 everything that i had the heartache over it was it was actually it was the first time that i was like oh my god my heart actually hurts they're not lying there is a heartbreak it your heart it was him you know i remember when i hugged him goodbye for the last time at that time he was going away for the summer he was wearing a leather jacket i can always remember like when i'd smell leather i would think of him i now this is long dead now i don't that we have too many stories now in the history where like now to even think that I had a crush on him is so ridiculous, right? But this is, you know, 16-year-old Joe. So, um, anyway, Buck is the son of Olympic gymnast Kathy Rigby and Peter Pan uh, perennial star Kathy Rigby. And his dad is a, um, well, he has his stepdad and his dad. His real dad was a professional football player who passed away a few years ago. And then his stepdad is a theater producer. Okay, with that reminds me, I should, I should email Bucky. Wait, Bucky knows about the babes thing, but, but let me Bucky about licensing. He might know. I'll be able to find out what's going on with babes. Anyway, um, so anyway, so Bucky. And I've been friends for years. I mean, like, since I was some almost probably 30 years. That makes sense. 30 years makes about sense. And he and I have been friends. And, um, but we had a falling out about 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. And what had happened was, is when I was doing stand-up and he wanted to go with me to a stand-up show. And now, by the way, Bucky's married. 
But Bucky has a habit of, or had a habit, I should say, of cheating on his wife. Okay. And um, so we went to this comedy show I was doing, and he was hitting on the waitress. Now, I was I was busy running this comedy show. I was not paying attention to them at all. But I just know he was in the court. He was always talking to this waitress, who I knew, because I did the comedy shows there. And um, he told me he got her number, right? And I was like, okay. And I, was just, I was just very like, I'm going to stay out of this. This is none of my business, you know? Then, like, the next week, the waitress comes up to me, and she's like, hey, your friend is creepy, and he's, like, bugging me, and I've been trying to be nice to him, but he, like, won't take no for an answer, and I'm just going to... She didn't use the term ghost. That's a term we use now, but essentially she was telling me she's going to ghost him. And I was just very, like, that's between y'all, right? I, I, that's not between me. It's between you, right? Well, then he calls me. Super upset. Um, maybe a few days later, and he's like accusing me of all sorts of craziness. Like he's accusing me that I poisoned her mind. He's accusing me of all sorts of crazy shit. And then we just—I was just like, "This is cuckoo town bananas." And so we didn't talk for gosh, I think almost ten years. I think we barely started talking like a couple years ago, and that was even slow going. It was like once every six months, and it was awkward and stuff like that. We've never addressed it again. I think what happened was he finally realized he had a problem, and um, because the the cheating continued, and then so now it's like. He's got it under control. He's in therapy about it. He and his wife are in therapy about it. It's a whole thing. And he's and I will give him credit. He's really, really working really, really hard on, on saving his marriage and fixing the psychological problems that forced him to do it to begin with. Okay, I'll give him that, you know, you know, we, we all make mistakes. We're not none of us none of us is perfect. By the way, that's the correct grammar, but it's evolving, right? But correct technically it's none of us is. None believe it or not, none is a singular subject, singular pronoun. It's a shortened version. Well, it could be a shortened version of two words. Either not one or no one. It depends how you use it. But none of us is perfect. It's not one of us is perfect. Anyway, that was grammar lesson for today. Everyone says none of us are perfect. That's fine, too. But that, the, Because people hear us, but the us is the object of the preposition of. It's a prepositional phrase. None of us. Um, so really, the subject is none. If you take it to of us, it would be not one is perfect. None, none is perfect. Anyway, I'm, th- th- that's just a little nerdy thing. Grammar police today. It, it, I mess it up all the time on the show where I say, you know what's funny is I feel more awkward using it correctly because then I think people think I'm saying it incorrectly. Anyway, it's a whole thing. And like I said, it's evolving. And now grammar people are like, well, look, language evolves and yada, yada, yada. To the point where both are correct. Okay. Anyway. So now Bucky and I are in a very stable place. We see each other a couple times a year. He calls me and he's like, hey, listen, my son is out of town. My wife is out of town. They're both out of town. And I'm home at board. I'm like, let me call Joe. And I say, well, listen, I happen to be hanging out with John Paul. I think he hung out with me because he wanted to do something, but he knew his wife would only allow him to hang out with me, you know, because she's super suspicious. That's a whole other thing, right? And not, not saying without reason. Anyway, uh, so 
uh, we, he and I live close to each other. So we meet up and then we drive in together to LA. We have a really nice conversation about like spirituality and stuff like that. And we pick up John Paul. I told him, I go, listen, John Paul and I just do boring things. We get ice cream. That's it. And uh, I Buckery knew that he was going to go to dinner with um, friends of the show and Patreon supporters, John and Nico, but they're not exclusive to here. We're going to meet up with John and Nico. So Buck and I were with John Paul, and then it's like time to go. And John Paul's like, you know what? I'll go with you guys to dinner. I'm like, great. Come along. So John Paul goes, we go to this amazing Chinese place called 101 Noodle Express. And I, I'd read about it, but I'd never been because they're known for this beef roll that they have. By the way, John, not John Paul. There's a difference. John Paul is John Paul. Then there's John of John and Nico, John Marti. John Marti's vegetarian. And he looked, it was a whole weird thing. We get to the restaurant. John Marti is like, yeah, I looked at the menu. I, it, it's totally vegetarian friendly. Great. And we get there. And then like the, wa- the waitress doesn't speak very good English. And he's trying to find out the vegetarian thing. It was a mess. And so he just landed up getting a plate of fried rice. It was very odd. It was pineapple fried rice. It was very strange. But we ordered meat, 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 meat. I'm going to tell you guys something. It was so fucking good. I want to go back there. That's how good it was. And it was cheap. Cheap. Five of us ate. The bill was $75. And we had so, there was so much food. I felt bad because John Paul had already eaten. So he only ate very little. But he paid like everybody else. So there was enough for a full meal. And I told John Paul just to take the leftovers. So there was so many leftovers. You could have a full meal. And it was $75. And there were five people eating. And we had a really nice conversation. Uh, John, Bucky, it was just like, you know, guys in their 40s and 50s having a conversation. I just, I just thought about that right now. We were guys in our 40s and 50s uh, having Chinese food and talking about Broadway and movies and shit like that and having a decent conversation. It was a good time. So uh, then we left and I dropped off John Paul and at home and then i dropped off bucky at his car and then i went home and i I think i was home fairly early like around nine and um that was that that was sunday nice time um then yesterday monday i woke up and i was thinking you know uh, i have to call my brother about a couple things that there were things that i had thought of when i was tutoring this girl where I was like, you know, we actually technically for this version of the company, we don't have a signed contract between the parents and the company. We need to have that to protect ourselves. And I was thinking about all these little other things. And one of them was that to have my brother bill this because the way the, the situation where I just teach, but all the billing and everything that goes to my brother. So I go, Oh, I got to call my brother. and have him bill this lady. Okay. And, uh, I call him and I knew that I was, I, I had known that my brother, his pricing was all off. And I know this business. And I would try and tell him and he would just brush me off. And it was just really weird. Okay. But he was under, it was really weird. He he, he was overcharging for classes, but undercharging by a lot for tutor. He was losing a lot of money, basically. Because I think there are people who weren't taking his classes because they're too much. And people were doing tutoring but he's undercharging and so losing a ton of money. It's a whole thing. So I get him this girl that I told you about from Rosary, the ACT girl who shouldn't be taking the ACT. She pays what she should be paying, actually, but it's way more than he's been making on tutoring. And I'm like super proud of myself. Hey, I got this chick. You know, she's going to be this many hours for this much money. He fucking lost his shit on me. 
he screamed at me. And I think I've talked about this on the show before. My brother has like a horrible, horrible temper where he just screams at people all the time. It's a huge problem. And um, I think I think I told the iPad Pro story, right? Where I'm all like, this, but this is, I was telling a friend, I go, this is, this is what I'm paying for that iPad Pro, you know, that he randomly just gave me. He's very, very generous. He will give you the shirt off his back. But when he gives you the shirt off his back, he is going to yell at you the entire time to tell you how many times he gave you his shirt off his back. You will pay for that shirt. And by this point, I just had had enough. And I just wrote him a text message where um, I was like, I don't need this. You can't. I, I just literally made you money and you screamed at me. And I'm not going to get into the details. And as much as this Joe Batanz is about this, more because it just hurts me to talk about the details. But what I will say is we had a knockdown drag out fight for like half an hour i say 45 minutes but after that it was done we're in a good we're not i wouldn't say it's weird to say we're in a good place but like everything was settled everyone got their issues out and it was done whereas you know people that white people that i know in fact bucky's a good example you know uh i know about his family people just don't talk to each other for years and you know generations Lori roggenkamp listen to Lori roggenkamp's story there's like sisters that they don't talk and for years because they're mad about something and Aiden has those kind of issues. Very white people, right? Now, granted, you don't have any of the screaming and yelling, which I would love, okay? But they don't talk it out and then they just let it fester and it turns into hatred for years and years. I don't, I can't, I don't understand that. I don't like the screaming and yelling, but at least it's done in 45 minutes to an hour and you get it out. So that was a big deal yesterday. Even I was still, even throughout the day, even though it was settled after 45 minutes, I was still sort of shook by the whole thing throughout the whole day. And um, and then the whole day was spent getting ready for the uh, show uh, that night. Not in, in theory, because in, in theory it shouldn't take that long, but Mondays are just really a lot of phone calls. You know, Carlo is coming in, so we had to have an hour phone call about what we were going to do while he was here. I talked to Sweet Michael about stuff. It was catching up with everybody over the weekend. Adam Vaught, you know, Aiden, and I talked a couple of times. And um, I actually still owe somebody, owe somebody a phone call today, but today's a lot lighter. And so, um, yeah, that's my Monday. So um, I did finish with a couple hours of spare for the show uh, that we did yesterday at 6. And then uh, after that, oh, you know, after the show, uh, I had, it's so funny because of the drama with Aiden's mom. Whenever he's at her house, he splits time between his mom's house and his dad's house. Whenever he's at her house now, for the time being, we're not talking on the phone. So we were just, let's talk about this right here. I don't know how I feel. Sometimes I think I'm wrong or whatever. But we were talking on Snapchat, texting via Snapchat. It was a very nice, cute, romantic phone call. But also it was a serious phone call. And we were talking about you know, he was telling me how much he loves me, but I was, it, it, here's the deal. Here's my point of view. It's all well and good to say that you love me, right? And I love it. That's it, I love hearing that. But as much as I'm a guy who just spills words all day, actions, I'm, I'm coining this phrase right now, trademark Joe Batanz. Actions speak louder than words. So he says one thing, he doesn't do anything mean. But he doesn't necessarily do anything to show that he loves me. 
per se. Now I know probably being so young is difficult for him to understand that. Now and I what's and I, and I will say because he did ask me at one point I because I said that oh god this is so I keep going I should start this correctly. Basically, we had a conversation where I told him when he said he loved me, and I said something along the lines, a less dramatic version of, oh, that's so sweet. If I could tell, if I could know for sure that that you meant that, which I believe you do, I said, but if I could know for sure, I'd be so happy, right? It wasn't like, I, I, yeah, sure. It wasn't like that. It was a, It was a more serious version of that. And he was like, oh, it makes me sad that you just don't believe me when I say it. And he goes, I don't know how I can show you or tell you that you believe it. And then it was later after the phone call, actually this morning, when I was like, oh, it's this action speak louder than words. Because there are little things that he does where I go like, huh. It's very bizarre. And I realize a lot of it has to do with his youth. I trust me, I know. You know, but and sweet Michael and I started to have this serious conversation, but we got interrupted where he was where he was actually saying, like, well, where do you think where do you see this going? And I realize I don't see this going anywhere. I know that. That's why I'm like so like, oh God. How do I get out of this? I was supposed to be out of this over a year ago. The whole plan was last summer was like, oh, I'll just once he goes back to school, you know, it's over. But I don't know. Anyway, um, but, like, I'm thinking about going to Seattle over Valentine's Day. So I was just kind of poking around, looking at ticket prices and stuff like that. And just when I mentioned it, like, we were talking and we were having a nice conversation. And I said, oh, I was looking at ticket prices in Seattle, blah, blah, blah. Now, he knew he wanted to see me on Valentine's Day. That's not, like, a shock to him. But he was, like, um, he got, like, really weird. He was just like, oh, and he just doesn't want me to go to Seattle, which I think is so bizarre and suspect. I think it's so bizarre. And he was like, can't we just go to New York for Valentine's Day? Can't we just meet in New York? Which is awesome. And yeah, let's meet in New York. That's what I would, I've always wanted to go to Seattle, but I don't mind meeting here. But it was just like, well, why does he want, why doesn't he want me in Seattle? And he can't give me an answer to that. It's things like that, that I'm like, what's. I get all suspicious or weird, like, and it could be something simple and stupid, but like, I don't know. I just get super suspicious. Not like he's cheating on me, but, um, yeah, it's very, very bizarre. And then also he's just like really moody. I'd be suspicious after the Uber driver. Oh, well, no, humble. So humble said I'd be suspicious after the Uber driver incident. That one, I don't, I don't know if I explained this very well. He very much wants to tell his friends. I'm the one that's told him I don't want him telling his friends. So he's doing that for me. He's not doing that because I've asked him to. That's that's him. Oh, thank you for being offended on my behalf, Humble. But no, I'm the one that's asked him to do that. He doesn't want to do that. So FYI, that's not a choice he would make. He would just be honest with them. Uh, it's a choice that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a choice that I want. I'm just very like, in fact, one of the things that came up was, I just found this out the other day. He, his feelings were hurt. When we went to Laguna Beach, he tried to hold my hand and these people were walking by and I pulled it away. And I guess that really, really hurt his feelings. And, um, I told him, I go, it's not, it's, it's not a gay thing. It's, it's just more like, I don't know. I just feel people would see us together and be like, ooh, <laughs> Yeah, right? 
but we've we've made a pledge not to do that anymore, not to pull away. Okay, we're just gonna be like whatever. Who gives a shit? Um. So Bree asks if he's afraid of writing to his mom if he went to Seattle. Yes, we did talk about. It. He is that because I was trying. Okay, so his parents can track him. This is I'm giving you a more detailed version of the conversation. He, both his mom and his dad can track him wherever he goes on Find My Friends. Okay, so they follow him on Find My Friends. They can see wherever he is. So when I looked at the airline tickets, I knew that that might be an, a, a fear, but just out of curiosity. I looked at Airbnbs in his neighborhood, not to be creepy, but to actually help him out because if he's hanging out in an Airbnb by his house, his parents might be just very like, you know, oh, whatever, you know, he's at a friend's house um, rather than if I was in like, because he, he lives in like a suburb of Seattle, a very, very close suburb of Seattle, but like a suburb nonetheless. And I told him, I look, I would rather stay in Seattle. There's a cool part of Seattle. It's actually fairly cheap to get an Airbnb. Um, I would prefer to stay in Seattle proper, you know, in Capitol Hill, the gay part. But um, I was doing it to help him out. But if I go, if you want that, and he's like, I don't know, I'm scared, yada, yada, yada. So, yes, that is a concern of his. So, anyway, um, but the other thing, too, is, now, I granted, look, I know it's because he's 19, but... He's extremely moody. He's also very, very moody. So, like, in the middle of the day, he'll talk to me. He's just, like, a dick. Like, a total just dick. You know, like, all right, well, I'm a dick, you know? And then later, he's, like, the sweetest, nicest person ever. It's all—it's very up and down with him. And so that's why I'm like, I would just rather, what do you want to do, Joe? And that's a very, that question is so profound, I don't even know <laughs> what the answer is. Um... What do I want to do? Well, look, I'd rather go to New I mean, look, it's easier for me to go. I have friends who live in Seattle, but they're not close friends. Um, so obviously, if I went to New York, um, uh, that would be easier. You know, if I went to New York, uh, I could see a ton of people. There's a ton of people who want to see me in New York. You know, I could see Jerry. I just... Aiden does this funny thing. He calls him Jerry Flick. I could see Jerry Flick. I could see all these people in New York I've been wanting to see. I could see them. So, yeah, New York in theory is easier. And New York's a great city. It's a fun city. It's a lot to do, right? Where Seattle's just like, I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go like, oh, there's the Space Needle. Oh, I'm at a fish market. But I'm only there for a weekend. Honestly, if I went to New York, though, maybe he'll just meet me for a weekend. I might go for a week. That's a whole other thing. So, anyway, um... Yeah, that's what's going on in uh, me and Aiden land. We're fine, by the way. It ended in a really good place. We're in a really good place. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you my inner dialogue. I think I'm just scared. I told them I'm scared of get, being hurt because I told you. On, uh, I, I told you guys on another episode. Like I realize I'm a tutor, right? And I realize I'm tutoring him on how to be an amazing boyfriend. So the next boyfriend is going to get the amazing boyfriend that I created. You know, and I'm not going to reap any of the benefits. That's and, and I'm going to be the one broken hearted. It's basically Pygmalion. Remember in Pygmalion, not remember My Fair Lady. They changed the ending to be a happy ending. But in Pygmalion, you know, Professor Higgins teaches Eliza how to speak well and stuff like that to the point where she leaves him and realizes she doesn't need him. So I'm the pig in Pygmalion. 
All right, guys. Uh, once again, what should be a 10-minute show is nearly a 50-minute show. Uh, thank you, Common Cool, for saying He said it. Or, I don't know if Common Cool is a woman or a man. It helps just to talk about it, Joe. That's why we're here. Oh, that, I love that, Common Cool. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, believe it or not, there will be another... Um, well, let me let me end the show, guys. Thank you so much for being here. This and this, how did we close it? We should have a closing for this Joe Batanz. It's dumb to have credits because the show would never be out. I'm not going to do an outro, but adios.